Welcome to Ink Drinkers, a literary tea party podcast where we discuss books and drink tea. Hi, Marissa. Hey, Jamie. So I have been making more of an effort to write down quotes from books that I've enjoyed. uh Um, It's something that I used to do whenever I physically read books because it's like easier to like see them and remember them that way. I did that too. But um, since I've started on audiobooks, I haven't been doing that as much, but I've been trying to make more of an effort. So I thought we could start the episode with a quote. Sounds good to me. I'd love to hear it. So this this one is actually from um, a book that I did not enjoy, but I thought the quote was interesting. Um, so the book is Acts of Violet by Margarita Montemore, who wrote uh, Una Out of Order, which I adored. And so I was really excited about Acts of Violet because I was like, oh, my God, it's about a magician. Like, I've always loved magic. Yeah. Um, I thought it sounded really fun, and I gave it two stars because I thought it was terrible. But Well, good, because I almost read it. Okay, don't do it. Okay. I can tell you why later. Okay. But um, the quote from the book, it, it was a little heavy-handed in some of its uh, social commentary, but I think this is an important thing to discuss, and I want to get your take on it. So the quote is, We've reached a point where society refuses to distinguish someone's creative work from who they are. A lot of great art has been made by shitty people, but if I don't keep the work separate, there's a hell of a lot less for me to enjoy. So basically what she's saying is, do you separate the artist from their work or do you say this artist has done a terrible thing and therefore we're not allowed to enjoy their work? Generally, I... If I know something that they've done is terrible, I, I just I just try to still listen. If it's a song and I really like it, like I don't worry too much about it. Unless it kind of almost depends on the degree of what Fair they've enough. done. So, um, but generally, I feel like, as that said, a lot of artistic, creative people who have given really great music to the world are really good painters. Their stories are books, terrible. Movies. Books, movies, anything. So. I think if you if you separated it and you just said, well, I'm not going to, I think you'd have a lot less. A lot less stuff to enjoy. Yeah. No, so for I mean, me, I don't try to worry about it too much. I, I agree. I get I get both sides of it because, A, if, if somebody, like let's say, you know, we might get canceled for this, but I'm going to throw Harry Potter out there. J.K. Rowling has said some things that are really negative, and so – to say, oh, well, she said these terrible things. I can't enjoy her stuff anymore. Well, I grew up loving Harry Potter. I don't think it's fair to me that I shouldn't be able to enjoy that anymore just because the person who wrote it might be a a terrible person. I think it's a really fine line, and it's hard when you think about it because there's certain things that, as a person, if a friend of yours did something, and again, not I know they're not – not saying that they have a creative work of art or there's anything, a book or anything, but like that person, there's certain people that you don't want to associate with in your life because of the things that they do or that they say that you don't agree with on a moral level or just in general and you don't want to associate yourself. But it is different when you're in this world that is so enjoyable that you can immerse yourself in and those little joys to just say, well, 
the person who wrote it is not someone that I would like to emulate in my life, so I'm not going to follow their work, right. is different, I feel, than this work is joyful and like brings me joy. And I'm, I don't know, it's so hard to say, but for me personally, if I had to say one or the other, I would say I would just, I personally would just enjoy the work if I yeah. enjoyed it. Well, because on the flip side, I can see not wanting to like financially support someone who yeah, has I done like a negative thing that you don't, you don't support the thing that they've done. But so, yeah, I mean, it's a tough, whew. It's really hard to say one way or the other, but um, yeah. I don't Starting know. off with a very serious yes, topic today. Yes. And I really didn't mean for it to be like no. serious or bring us down. I just was curious. You know, there's different philosophies mm. out there, and um, I thought it would be interesting to discuss. What I also think happens a lot is that you've already either read the books or watched the movies, and then you find out about find out after the fact. I feel like, and so you're already invested in their work and like how it makes you feel, right? And so at that point, are you going to give up that feeling? Retro. Based on who they are when you don't even know them. I mean, but I see your point. Like, do and, you... But and that brings up a good point that I think a lot of what's going on these days is is judging people retroactively for things that maybe were acceptable at the time, but they're right. not now. And um, I, don't I don't know that you can always do that, though. I think that's one thing that makes me... I'm on the fence about things. Like, when someone's like, well, 30 years ago they did this and we're just now learning about it. It's like, you're going to just completely... Now they don't, ex you don't want to, I don't know. It, it Again, it depends on what it is. I think the problem is that these days, a lot of people, a lot of the, the loud, you know, people are trying to make things just completely black and white, right and wrong, yes and no, when it's just not that simple. I 100% agree with that. And that is a pretty good statement for anything. <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, let's jump into books. Yeah. Who is you or me or I can't remember who goes me, first. You? All right. I think so. Um, so my book is The Cloisters by Katie Hayes. This was a debut novel. It came out. Uh, it was published in November 1st of 2022. So relatively recent. Um, I will start off by saying that this was. a. I, I don't know. I didn't. <laughs> I did not think that it was like this horrible read and I couldn't get through it because that's not true but I would probably give it a 3.5 okay that's um, a decent rating so the main character is Anne Stillwell um Anne has recently graduated from a small liberal arts college where she lives in Walla Walla Washington with her mother um her father who she was very close to was killed in a hit and run accident in their town um before she graduated, I believe, or like right after she graduated. So she was very close to him, much more than her mother. And he was kind of um, this very interesting guy. He was a linguist. He could speak like 10 different languages. And he found, he, he researched and found historical facts and artifacts very interesting. But he himself actually cleaned the offices of the professors oh, wow. at the university. I don't remember what the reasoning was, if like he had a job and it just didn't work out or like he was in academia and then not. I don't remember that situation, but he would basically go into these professors' offices, 
clean their offices, take out their trash, and he would find letters from manuscripts or, and they would be in different languages and he would bring them home and it was kind of their thing where they would go through and he would teach her the different languages and dead languages for her to be able to decipher what the message was and then they would discuss it, which is really neat. Sounds fun. <laughs> it's intense. Um, so her, her background is really rooted in, um, in love of history and languages and just this uncovering of things that, um, you know, are, are not blatant, like you can't just read it and figure it out kind of thing. Um, so it was their thing together. She, since his passing, she's been pretty brokenhearted and she just kind of wants to get out of Walla Walla. She doesn't want to be there anymore. Her mother, I think now that I'm saying this, I remember that he did travel and do a lot of stuff, but her mother um, was very scared of flying and she did not have an interest in going other places. And so because he loved her, he decided to stop mm. doing his travels and he had to get a job to support the family. And he somehow got involved with the university, but he maybe didn't have the background to be a professor. I don't the really credentials know. Yeah. Or, yeah. Maybe That's it was it, a will hunting situation. I don't know. <laughs> Any, yeah, maybe. So he, um, so he passes away. She has submitted to continue her education after at an Ivy League, co Ivy League college, um, trying to get some type of fellowship. No one has really accepted her. She was pretty like bottom of the barrel. Um, she did, however, get one, uh, one acceptance to the Met as a summer associate. So she was super excited about that because she was ready to get out of Washington. She moves to New York. It's the day of orientation for the summer um, associates of the Met. And when she walks in, um, one of the head curators asks her to come with her to her office. And she basically says, I'm really sorry. I thought someone informed you, but the um, curator that you were going to be under had to take an assignment out of the country. And so he's not here and we don't have a place for you. And so she was pretty, you know, she didn't show it, but she was like, what am I going to do? Like I have this. She'd gotten an apartment, this like terrible apartment. She had no money. Um, she's thinking if I don't have the stipend from them of like what I was going to make, like I can't afford it, you know, but she's thinking, how can I stay in New York? Cause I do not want to go back to Washington. Right. Like how depressing with my mother and her mother, like can't deal with the dad's passing. Everything has left the same since he, the day that he died in the home. So how long ago has the dad passed away? I, I mean, is it, is it like 10 years no, or a no, year? No, no, no. Like less than a year okay. or a year. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's recent. Yeah, it's recent. Um, and she feels really terrible because she feels like she can't be there for her mother because she can't deal with it. So she feels like she's being a really terrible daughter to her mother, but she just can't. So like every time her mom calls her, she doesn't answer her phone very often and she doesn't want to hear the grief in her voice. She doesn't want to be around it. Um, so in her mind, she's like, I have to figure out what to do to stay here. At the same time, the moment that she's basically told by the curator that they don't have a place for her. Um, another curator walks in. His name is Patrick, and he's actually the curator of the Cloisters. Ah. And oh, so... The title. Yeah. And so he <laughs> walks in, and he's like, so-and-so just quit. We need another person on the research team. Do you have anyone? And he looks over at her, and he introduces himself, and then he was like, well, why don't you just come work for us if you don't have a position, you know? And you can tell Michelle is like, I don't know about this. And he's like, I'll just call. I'll call the guy now, like, who she was supposed to work under and just say, I need help. And, you know, your person, you're not here. Can I, can we use the same budgeted money 
for her salary. So she goes to work at the Cloisters, and when she gets there, she re- um, she meets Rachel Mondre, who is the other research associate. Rachel um, is or did go to Harvard. I don't know if she's still at Harvard, but she's very well known in academia. She's like really attractive. She has beautiful blonde hair. Everyone just stops and stares at her. She's very wealthy. Both of her parents died in a boating accident. Uh, I was about to say, dang, this girl's got everything except that. So she um, has inherited all of her parents' money. She's kind of um, abrupt. She's really good at what she does. um, And everything is really focused on the work that they're doing. Um, But people know her and don't always have the best impression of her. Just because she's very cold. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Leo is the head gardener at the Cloisters and right away you can tell that he and Anne kind of have something like uh, chemistry going. Anne is very insecure about herself. She's always considered herself very plain. And so in regard to Rachel's creditation and her beauty and how she's already involved and she feels like she's kind of like a leftover that no one really wanted. How how often do we read books with main characters who do have a lot of self-confidence and who are just not often fabulous, wonderful, not often amazing. I feel like a lot of times they gain that confidence or they see that I mean, they I, are I not- know that if they did, like what would the conflict in the book be? But right. I'm just now trying to think back to there's always characters where it's like, I feel so plain and ugly and I can't really do any of this and I don't know how I got this job. And then there's this beautiful girl. Exactly. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's- and they're, they're trying, they're excited because they're like, want to be friends with her. And then, yeah, things kind of go from there. But um, yeah, so Patrick is the curator. He is trying to do this specific research. And basically the research surrounds these antique, um, I don't even know the time period, but these tarot cards. So he is trying to get a full deck of tarot. He has quite a few of them, and he works with collectors who finds different things, artifacts for him, and he buys them personally as well as tries to curate them for the cloisters. Um, But there's something special about this particular deck of cards, and he has it in his mind that they actually have magical, predictable, like that they can predict the future. Rachel thinks that this is crazy. She's very logical. She's very um, academia, no room for divination at all. Um, So that they kind of quarrel back and forth with that. She thinks that this is like mysticism and she doesn't believe in any of this. But he's very adamant that like the cards have, there's something there. And he starts to become a little obsessed with this, finding this. Um, So he's also tasked and and Rachel with trying to find these cards or uncover something with the cards. They don't quite know what they're supposed to do, but he's very demanding and he's slowly kind of losing it. <laughs> it sounds like yeah. it. Um, so Anne is really trying to find her place and she considers Rachel as time goes by as um, a really good friend and she didn't have many friends growing up in Washington. Um, she didn't really make a lot of friends at in college either because in her liberal arts college her mom and dad worked at the college so she did not have to live on campus where everyone else was required so she always felt she wasn't immersed in the same way that everyone else was right um so there's a lot that goes down there's some murder death mystery aspect of this book it is thriller in nature 
I just felt like it's very predictable. Mm. And I felt right away, I was like, okay, well, obviously something's going on with this character and that's obviously going to be a bad situation. Like you just knew and I was like, unless I'm missing something and it's something unique and interesting that comes about and it didn't. <laughs> but you, it, yeah, you weren't missing anything. I wasn't missing bummer. anything. It was kind of a bummer. And it was from the very beginning that you're just like, okay. I, again, got a free, uh, free audio copy of this and I started listening to it. I didn't get very far at all. Like I got to the part where she's in the office with the lady and uh, the other guy poaches her away. Yeah. Um, and I just wasn't super interested. I think the the subject matter is interesting. The historical reference to things is interesting. The cloisters itself is an interesting topic in like locale. And yeah. when they bring up some of the research that they were doing was cool. Um, you know, it's like dark academia, you know, and it's like in this, just you feel like you're in the middle of the Middle Ages every time you go to work and, you know, you're surrounded by all this history, just like any museum, but it's a little bit different feel because it's more of a gothic See, feel. I, I, I enjoy books with like academia and like campus novels and stuff like that, but I think I'm finding that I don't really like dark academia. Okay. It just doesn't hit home for me for whatever yeah. reason. So it was all right. I will say that it had it was not at all the same, but it had a similar vibe as The Fortune Teller by Gwendolyn Womack, which came out in t- June which of you 2017, loved. which I loved. Yeah. And it was very different. She was like the main character. Um, her name was Simile, and she was like an arts dealer. And so she worked with one of the main art, like the big houses, the art houses, and curate. she was like a curator somewhat, and she sold like, she was the in-between to sell those pieces gotcha. and stuff like that. And so then similar themes. Similar but theme. Very and there was tarot plots. cards. And yeah. she came across these tarot cards that told the future. But it was way more history and it went all the way back to like Alexandria and the Roman Empire. And like it went through all the stuff with like the seer who had created the cards. And it was just way more interesting. I know you've been wanting me to read that book for ages, and I did purchase it on Audible years ago, and I still haven't listened to it. And I haven't read it in such a long time, so maybe it's not as good as maybe I it wouldn't it hold up. I don't know, but I will say from my memory, I preferred that to this, and they had similar vibes to them. Um, I just thought it was just really, um, it was just really predictable, and like the whole thriller aspect of it wasn't thrillery because you're like, I, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. Yeah, but it was written okay. It was written well, but there were parts where I would get really um, just kind of bored. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I don't need to finish that one. We'll see. Tell me about your book. My book is like half rom-com, half uh, kind of finding yourself coming of age. It's called Lizzie Blake's Best Mistake by Maisie Eddings. This is the second in the Brush With Love series, which uh, like a year ago maybe, I um, I did a Brush With Love on on this podcast, I think. I'm pretty sure I yeah, did. Yeah, did. Yeah. And so this is the second in that series. I'm thinking there's going to be four because there's like four main best friends. And so okay. I'm thinking it's going to go through okay. each of their mm-hmm. That's, that was my question. stories. Okay. So this one is obviously Lizzie. <laughs> I know, I know. Surprising, right? I did see that the next one is going to be Indira, which um, I love the character of Indira, so I'm excited for her for her story next. But anyway, so Lizzie is 
she struggles from really severe ADHD. So she is just a very like all over the place kind of person. She's um, her own mother tells her like, you're just too much, which, yeah, she like struggles with her parents because they don't know how to deal with her. Right. And they're not very nice to her because of it. Um, Like her brother is you know, the, the golden child. Yes, the golden okay. child. And they're kind of like, we we don't know what to do with you. We don't want to introduce you to our friends. Like just, you know, whatever. Um, so she's kind of struggled with that her whole life and dealing with the way she's been treated with her parents, but also dealing with just all of the stuff that's constantly going on in her brain. So one night she's out at a bar and uh, this Australian walks up and orders her a drink. And she's like, mm, I'm here for a date. And Anyway, that doesn't go well. That doesn't matter. But um, so she and the Australians start talking, and uh, he's only in town for a couple nights um, for work. He he lives and works in Australia, but he works for this, like, swimwear line, and they're trying to set up a branch in the United States, and so he's in town trying to get that set up, and then he's going back to Australia. So they have a one-night stand, um, a very graphic one-night stand. It's very open-door very many eggplants, um, but it was well done. Uh-huh. It was enjoyable. <laughs> can I, I say liked, that? I liked it. Can I say that? Um, <laughs> yeah, you can say whatever you want. So anyway, they <laughs> they have a one-night stand. He goes back to Australia. Um, she goes back to her life. They, they had a connection. I mean, yeah. they definitely had a connection when he was there, but they know, like, this is it because we live in different countries and, like, halfway across the world. Mm-hmm. Um but she realizes a couple of weeks later that she's pregnant. Yeah. So I kind of figured that's where this was going. Yeah. And huh. so it's really, this happens at the very beginning of the book. Right. It's not giving I'm, anything away. And I'm pretty sure it says like in the in description the, of the yeah. book that like she gets pregnant. Right. Because um, that's not, that's part of what leads to the story. It's not part of the story, if that makes any okay. sense. So anyway, she's like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to do this. So she calls um, Rake. Did I say that his name was Rake? Mm-mm. His name Rake? is Rake. Like R-A-K-E? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they have like a little uh, a little exchange at the bar about like Rake. Oh, like a Rake in a romance mm-hmm. novel kind of thing. Okay. So anyway, his name is Rake. She calls Rake up and she's like, um, look, I'm just telling you this. You don't have to be involved. Like, I don't care. I don't want anything. I don't want any money. I just feel like you deserve to know. I'm pregnant. And he's like, okay, I'm moving to America and we're going to do this. And she's like, wait, what? No, you. I'm not asking you to do that. You don't have to. Like, what's going on? This is weird. Does she want that? I mean, I don't think she's against having help, but she's just kind of like, why would you just uproot your entire life just because I told you I'm having a baby? Like, I don't understand what's going on. And he's like, I hear you. I'm going to take the next flight to the United States. We're going to discuss this and we'll figure it out. So he comes. They talk about it. They agree. He's going to move to the United States and he's going to help out. Like he wants to be a part of his child's life. So the book is really just about the two of them, their relationship, but also like what they're going through to try to figure out how to make this work. Um, And they're pretty clear from the start, like, We're not trying to be a couple. We're not trying to do anything like that. We're just trying to figure out how to make this baby's life as good as possible. 
And if that means we're going to live together so that the child has, you know, two parents in, in its home, then that's what we're going to do. Um, so there's some pretty comedic situations mm-hmm. that ensue because they don't know each other. They don't know each other. Um, they're living together and uh, they're just trying to trying to figure things out. But it was it was funny. It was really just really sweet. And like he um he kind of calms that part of her and he's very rigid and she it kind of takes him out of that. So they they complement each other really well. Um and I just yeah, I left it like feeling happy. That's great. That's really all you can ask for. Um rom com slash trying to find yourself book. Absolutely. That's great. Well, it sounds like something I would like. I mean, I'm sure I think you would definitely enjoy it. And a, like all of the reviews that I read on Goodreads of like my friends who have read the book were like, this was just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Want to talk about the tea? Let's do it. First, what do you think? Do you like it? I do like it. Okay. It's yum. Um, Marissa was very excited about this one. It smells delicious. It tastes delicious. I ordered it from uh, Republic of Tea. It's called Cardamom Creme Brulee. So, of course, yeah, it's got to be delicious. Inspired by the classic French creme brulee infused with the exotic spiciness of fresh cardamom. A splash of warm milk brings out the richness in this cup. It totally would. Milk would be good. Um, the ingredients are black tea, sweet blackberry leaves, natural caramel, vanilla flavors, and cardamom seeds. It's sweet, but... Um, really delicious it's very delicious and it i when you said all of the flavors as you were saying them, it's like i taste it <laughs> oh, i taste oh, it the I blueberry taste it. Mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah there it is it's there yeah it's a good one yeah i i'm always just scouring like tea websites for new different stuff for us to try and i happened to come across this one on the republic of tea and i was like whoa obviously we have to try this it has creme brulee in the name yeah um and i'm glad i found it Delicious. Yum. Okay. Well, I hope that I've left you all with something to think about and consider uh, with our opener. (laughs) And maybe we've convinced you to read a book or two. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a good episode to me. I mean, a little thought provoking. If we do say so ourselves, some reads, some (laughs) either recommended or not sure. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe there's somebody out there who absolutely loves dark academia and they're like, I need to read the cloisters. 100%. And that's why we're doing this. And that's why we say maybe it's not perfect for us, but it might work for you. Exactly. On that note, cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes for the full list of books we discussed today. You can find that in your podcast app or on our website, inkdrinkerspodcast.com. And please support us by subscribing anywhere you listen to podcasts and leaving a review. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at inkdrinkerspod. Cheers!